Father Andrew's enlightening excursion last week into the mystical meaning of home in popular music reminded me of a little chat that my father and I recently had about another homecoming, indeed a far more permanent one, specifically his funeral and the songs that he wanted sung at it. No Carolina on my mind for him, I can assure you. Dad's choices reflected his misspent days as a member of the Boys Brigade of Temple Baptist Church in the 1940s. And so he made me promise that we will sing Onward Christian Soldiers and stand up, stand up for Jesus when we bid him his final farewell. My suggestion to my father that singing stand up, stand up for Jesus might seem just a little ironic given the fact that he will most definitely be lying down, lying down, was met with a very icy stare, so clearly humor had absolutely no place in this awkward conversation. Now, driving home later on that day, I sang what I could remember of the lyrics to those two rousing hymns that my father would play on the piano over and over again in my head, and they certainly shared much in common, including the fact that, in my opinion, they hadn't really improved much with age. Christ, our master, leading us against the foes, banners flowing. From victory unto victory his army shall he lead till every foe is vanquished and Christ is Lord indeed. Now, one of the things I discovered once I got back to the house and checked was that both of these songs came from that section of my dad's old hymnal that was entitled Missionary Hymns. And I'm sure that their inspiration came at least in part from this morning's gospel. Their triumphalist lyrics and military airs communicate this sense of winners and losers. At first glance, seems very much in keeping and reflecting Jesus' words today about casting the dust from our feet of those people and places that don't accept him. These hymns that my father loved so much helped to create a muscular form of Christianity that would divide the world between us and them, something that has had tragic consequences in our own country and all around the globe down to the present day. In addition, their lyrics also caused us to think of those who labored in the mission fields as somehow different from us. Uh, we may all of us supported them through our bake sales and our car washes, but Ours was a different vocation from theirs, surely, fighting as they were often far-off non-Christian lands, bringing the gospel to the benighted souls of Borneo, perhaps. But this was certainly not polite work for us among our respectable neighbors. Unless, of course, we were Mormons or Jehovah's Witnesses going door to door and we knew exactly how we felt about them. But in today's gospel, Jesus reminds us that if we choose to follow him, then we are, by definition, missionaries, because that is what he was. And he reinforces this idea by sending out 70 ordinary people, people just like you and me, to prepare the way for him. We don't know their names. We know absolutely nothing more about them than what St. Luke tells us in this morning's brief passage, and that is precious little. And in fact, we never even hear about them again anywhere else in the rest of the gospel. But this much we do know. 
they had only one job, and it was this, to introduce the people in the villages of Palestine to Jesus' message before he actually got there. This was entirely new territory. No churches have been established, no small Christian communities. This was before the crucifixion, before the resurrection, before anyone had come to embrace the idea that this man was the Son of God. So to prepare the people to meet Jesus, what exactly were these 70 ordinary people supposed to do? Well, quite simply, they had to share his message with them, which, as we all know, was fundamentally an ethical one, and it boiled down to two points. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Now, in a world where an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth had been the law of the land for thousands of years, Jesus sent them to spread a new and radical message. If anyone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the left also. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Whatsoever you do to the least of my brothers and sisters, you do to me. This was not a familiar message to the citizens of Palestine, and it probably wasn't a welcome one either, but it was a message that the world back then, and certainly now, needed to hear, because as long as an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth remained the dominant philosophy of any society, we will just wind up with a civilization that is both blind and toothless. The fact is that in many ways, our world today is just as unfamiliar with Jesus' message as it was 2,000 years ago. A dramatic shift has taken place in our society over the past 50 years, and as our churches have shrunk, a peculiar, false caricature of the teachings of Jesus Christ has emerged in popular culture. He has somehow now become associated in the minds of the many, many out there with the oppression of women and minorities with the rich and the powerful, with exclusion rather than inclusion, the very antithesis of any, everything that he actually stood for. And part of the blame for this must be laid at the feet of the institutional church itself, which traded its prophetic voice centuries ago for respectability and for status. It's not surprising that the real message that Jesus still begs us to take out into the world today meets a hostile reception because at its core, his message is all about love and acceptance, welcome and forgiveness. And much of our modern world and many of our modern churches want nothing to do with those ideas at this moment. After 2,000 years of preaching his gospel, we are still living in a society where might is right where profit too often wins out over people, where politicians and churchmen are actively stirring up hatred of those who are different from them, where walls are being built to keep strangers out and camps are being built to keep children in, when in Christ's eyes, there is no such thing as a stranger. The important things that we followers of Jesus Christ have to say about reverence for life the need for peace, respect for one another, the care of the planet that God created, these things 
must still be courageously spoken and they must still be heard. Canada, in this sense, is now mission territory. Ontario is mission territory. Toronto is mission territory. And we are the missionaries. Now, we can lament the fact that those claiming to have no religious affiliation are the fastest growing demographic group in the land. Or alternatively, we can look at that little piece of raw data and say, okay, that means the harvest out there really is rich, and it is in my own backyard. Successful missionary work is no longer just the prerogative of the courageous few who journey to Africa or North Korea or the Pacific Islands in search of those who have never heard of Jesus. It's the work of ordinary people like you and me who in our own quiet way bring Christ's countercultural message of love, forgiveness, welcome, and inclusion to a world and to a church that really needs to hear it, perhaps now more than ever. So what exactly did Jesus ask those 70 people to do this morning, and how should that affect the way that we look at our own mission today? Well, he told them to do three simple things. First of all, bring peace to your communities. Second, heal those who need it. And third, make yourself at home wherever you find yourself. These are things that we are still called to do every single day. Whether our mission territory is home, an office, a school, a retirement residence, or a factory floor. We bring peace when we pick up a phone and explain a misunderstanding to someone whom we have hurt or by reconciling with the person who has offended us. We bring peace by spending precious time with those who think they are forgotten. We bring healing when someone who doesn't quite fit in knows that he or she has a friend in us. We heal the wounds of sin and division in our families by keeping the lines of communication open between those who feel estranged. We can heal the pain of others simply through a kind word spoken over a garden fence or with a smile in a condominium elevator that says, I actually do care about you. We never can forget that the heart of Jesus' message was ethical, not dogmatic, as important as dogma is. And while it will never be in the Anglican nature to be ostentatious in the practice of our missionary faith, faith, people should be able to look at what we do and how we do it and why we do it and then think to themselves, see how these Christians really do love one another and they may just find a home again among us when they see that. And in a world where love seems to be an increasingly scarce commodity defined amid guns and refugee camps and the buildings of walls and prejudice and hate, these small acts of mercy are no small thing. Yes, we want to have an effect globally, but we must start by acting locally in our own spheres of influence. And that, should you accept it, is your mission. I think that it's unfortunate that with all of the many churches that dot this city dedicated to the saints, James and Bartholomew, 
Paul and Michael, Thomas and Mary Magdalene, you won't find a single one out there called the Church of the Seventy. But maybe that's an important message in and of itself. Perhaps their example of humble obscurity is a good one for the vast majority of us who try to spread the gospel message in our own quiet, unnoticed ways, one kind deed at a time. Those 70 anonymous missionaries in this morning's gospel remind us that the work that we do in our own small way to build Christ's kingdom doesn't require recognition by anyone except the loving God who sees everything we do in his name and blesses us for it. And while our names may never grace a building for future generations to honor, like those 70, we can take comfort in hearing those beautiful words spoken by Jesus today when he tells us to rejoice because by simply living his truth and his kindness and his love in this world, in this city, in this neighborhood, our names are indeed being written in heaven. Amen.